Hey everyone, just letting you know, today's episode has a little bit of an audio issue with my microphone as soon as I introduce our guest for today, but uh, we figure it out and fix it within about five minutes or so, and then it's back to normal. All right, enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Matt Falk, coming at you from Hadi Da Studio. Welcome to episode 21 of Past, Present, Future, the only podcast in the universe that dares to appease the ghosts of comedy past, comedy present, and comedy yet to come. Just to keep you posted, I'll be at the basement in Winnipeg on February 29th, and then I'll be playing Theater 1308 in Calgary on March 3rd, then Quebec on April 18th with the amazing Matt Wright. There's a link in the show notes if you want to be at any of those. All right, on with the show. My guest today is a stand-up comedian and actor. After becoming a finalist in SiriusXM's top comic competition 10 years ago, he went on to playing comedy clubs, colleges, and theaters all over North America, including the internationally famous Massey Hall in Toronto. Five years later, his killer set at the Winnipeg Comedy Festival went viral with over 17 million views online, and things kind of spiraled out of control from there. Almost immediately, he was selected for the coveted New Faces Canada Showcase at Just for Laughs in 2019. With appearances from MTV to CBC and working with the likes of Bob Saget, Burt Kresher, Charlie Murphy, Steve-O, Jerry D, and more, he continually establishes himself as one of the funniest guys in the biz. You can hear him on CBC's Laugh Out Loud and The Debaters, or you can see one of his appearances on the Halifax Comedy Festival, the Winnipeg Comedy Festival, or check out his appearance on the Canadian Screen Award-nominated show, The Beaverton. His debut album, Everything Is Fine, was praised as, quote, cutting without being cruel, frustrated without being angry, one of those comics who says what you've been thinking only better and more efficiently. As if that wasn't enough, in 2022, he appeared at the Montreal Just for Laughs Comedy Festival on the Mark Marin televised gala with a blisteringly hilarious set that I had the privilege of seeing live. Please welcome Rob Bebenek. Hey, Rob, how you doing? Hey, pretty good. I didn't. Uh, I didn't even know I did all that stuff. That's uh, that's the most comprehensive credit list I think I've ever heard. It's nice to be reminded of your uh, accomplishments once in a while uh, <laughs> to get away from the scathing voice in our own heads. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. Halfway through that, I was like, yeah, I did the thing that every Canadian comedian like, I'll stop, stop, stop saying this, and then I was like, oh yeah, that was kind of cool. <laughs> I I want to I want to mention uh kind of how we know each other. So uh I totally forgot about this but we worked together um a, for a while now. We did the that that set that went viral of yours. I was actually at that taping. I also did a set uh at that Winnipeg Comedy Festival taping. Uh mine didn't go viral, but uh we've also uh worked together most recently in, in Regina with the Winnipeg Comedy Festival show and but in between then in 2022, yeah, I was. I just happened to be in the audience at the Just for Laughs Mark Marin gala taping and saw you come out and absolutely destroy and level that gorgeous theater. And that was that was quite a treat to see. Yeah, that was a that was a fun one on my end too. I, uh, I didn't. I don't know. I, you never know what to expect with them, and you hope for the best. And I was once in a blue moon. You're proud of what you did, and I was I was happy with that set that night. It, I, I had read somewhere else that you don't get like nervous before you go on stage. Is that an old, too old of a quote to hold you to now? Or like, how were you feeling before walking on at JFL? 
No, I'm not. I, I've never had that. I don't have that gene. Like, I don't, I didn't get nervous for JFL. I didn't really get nervous when I was new in my career. And I don't know if that helps me or hinders me because a lot of people talk about feeding off the nervous energy, but I just, I don't know. Like, kind of every, every set's just another set. And, you know, if it doesn't go well, then well, I'm going to do another one. So it doesn't matter that much. <laughs> Comics do talk about working off of that nervous energy, but they also talk about confidence. And like famously, Jim Carrey, uh, when he was doing stand-up, did that line, uh, how's everybody doing? All righty then. Um, where he just like went right into it without actually waiting for their response so that he could appear as confident as possible and the audience knew that they were in good hands. So I think, there's a, I think there is an advantage to being confident because the audience wants to feel comfortable. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if it's confidence. It's it's not cockiness. I, I don't think I'm special or anything. Uh, <laughs> but maybe it's a maybe it's a quiet confidence, or maybe it's I don't know. Maybe it's indifference. Uh, I don't know. I've just never <laughs> had that thing where I get overly wound up. Like I I remember when I did new faces and I was like sitting in the green room like laying on the couch drinking a beer and everyone else is like pacing and like going over their lines and I was just like I don't even know what jokes I'm gonna do yet that's interesting I I had a similar thing in the beginning of my career I remember I was in a competition very very early on this was in like uh I was like 17 so this would have been like 2007 something that makes sense that's wild yeah, and then I remember then I wasn't nervous either, and it was the exact same situation. I was just hanging out in the backstage, and my competitor was pacing around and like so nervous. And then I remember he said to me like, "Why aren't you nervous?" And I was like, "Oh, I just I don't know." But so in the beginning of my career, nothing, and then the longer I've been doing it, the more anxious I've been getting. Yeah, I mean, I hope that doesn't happen to me, um, but sixteen years in, it hasn't. So I, no, you're I safe. I'm, I think you're safe by now, unless something bizarre happens, like in the, at the 20 year mark or something. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think at this point you've established yourself. Yeah, I, and it's, it it always shocks me when I run into comics who've been doing this forever and they're like much longer than I have, and they're amazing world class comedians, and they still pace and they still get nervous. And I'm like, what are you nervous about? You know, you're going to go out there and kill. So. <laughs> Oh my word! Hang on one second. Sorry, just give me. There's a bit of an audio issue. One second here. <laughs> this, is, this is really professional. I didn't have my mic plugged in. Oh, okay. I interrupted you because of my own mic problems. What What were you saying, Mister Babadek? Oh, what did I say? Oh, this is it was so long ago now. Um, it, it feels like it feels like ages ago. You know what? Maybe it's better that this happened because I'm I'm sensing a cold presence. I don't know if you can hear that sound in the distance, but we are getting interrupted by our first ghost. Oh dear. I am the ghost of comedy past. Today I take you to a moment when your comedic voice shifted. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, let's talk about that. What's what's a moment that your comedic voice shifted? Did you always sound the way you sound on stage or was there a time when it uh, it was one way and it became a different way um no it uh it i definitely started out with a different uh persona and so when i when i first started uh comedy 
uh, you know, I was young. I was still like quite fit at the time. So <laughs> I, I had I had someone tell me that you can't be you can't be aggressive or mean spirited on stage because you look like a jock. So people Interesting. are going to and so I created this like fake kind of like laid back, like surfer kind of like I talked really slow and I, uh, I just like, I, was, I tried to be this like, oh, I'm just a chill kind of cool guy. And then wow, I was, I was at, uh, cause I was like, I don't want to offend anybody. I can't, I can't be mean cause someone of authority, so to speak told me that and so i took it at face value wow. but then i was doing i was at um i was at vapor central a long running comedy show in toronto okay and i remember it was such an incredible lineup like there's so many great comedians on it uh like kate trevor wilson was on it uh gilson lubin was on it like ron jocko like all these great wow. comedians. And they were bombing, like one after the other was like just having a rotten set. And I was, I was getting angry. I was like, these guys are so funny. Like, stop. Like what? I hate this audience. And instead of going up on stage and being that persona guy, I just started yelling at them. I went on stage and I just like, I just started ripping them and telling them why I hated them. And then I started just crushing and I got off stage and uh, my good friend Alex Pavone came up to me and uh, and he was like, buddy, what was that? He's like, that's you. That's you. That's what you need to be on stage. And wow. it's really that all I was was myself. And I was like, that was much easier than this phony put on that I've been doing. So, uh, what, yeah. Do you remember was, what year that was? Oh, it would have been probably oh nine. Wow, because I only I only did that like phony persona for like the first year or so that I did comedy. Well, thank goodness uh, you found this so early because uh, I feel like this that could have gone a totally different way because by, by putting on such an intentional persona because somebody told you, no, no, don't be yourself. Don't be yourself because they honestly they, they might have been intimidated. They were probably taking their own stuff and putting it on you. I feel like that's a way for a comedic voice to stick for a long time. Like, oh, no, I have to do it this way because if I'm going to be too aggressive, then nobody's going to like me. So thank goodness you found that so quickly. Yeah, and uh, it was more to like I I fully intended getting off stage to just go back to the the other way of doing it. But it was it was Pavone who was just like, no, man, he's like, just you got to be you. It's way funnier. Yeah. And it was literally like the next time I did comedy, I just switched. And I was like, right away, I was like, oh, it's way easier to just talk like myself. That's incredible. Did you have to change the written material that you had been writing that year? Or did it kind of work in the same voice, in, in a different voice? Uh, I mean, I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't have to change much. Um, I, I actually like immediately got more material. And yeah. at that stage in your career, like a year and a half or two years in, uh, you don't, you don't have any good material. You think you do, but it <laughs> it all sucks. Yeah, it's, it does. None yeah. of it is actually good. You go back and look at it, and you're like, oh, "That's a clever idea," but you suck at this. Um, I hate watching stuff from my first, like my first couple of years in comedy. 
I think if you don't hate the stuff you did early on, it probably means that you're not growing. I think there's a way to watch it with nostalgia and with like an affection towards yourself and say, oh, I was doing the best I could and there's some good stuff there and that's very sweet. But if there isn't a part of you that goes, whew, I'm glad I'm not there anymore, then that probably means, yeah, you're not you're, advancing. You're awful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I wasn't going to go that far, but I'll let you go no, that far. No, you were, you were being nice, but I refuse to be. No, it, uh, if, you, <laughs> if you look back on comedy that you did a year in and you're 16 years in comedy, you're probably terrible. But you're right about the other part. I do look back. <clears throat> I, I, my favorite time in comedy was those first three or four years when you're, when you're bad at it and you got a little group of friends and you're getting on every show you can and you're doing the worst open mics possible and you know you're anywhere they will let you on stage you're performing because no one will book you anywhere else and i had a great crew that i started out with and i but those are my that's my fondest memory of comedy is the come up because once you once you become professional uh everyone everyone goes in different directions like you don't mm. you don't get to do shows with your friends anymore because they're headlining other shows and yeah yeah it, it's uh it's this bittersweet thing it's like well i'm happy i'm a better comic but the hang is now gone yeah it's it's kind of become cliche at this point but there there you really only see your fellow comedians when you're at festivals or when you're like when we happen to do that uh show uh, at the Casino Regina, you know, there's a couple of the comics on and then you get to hang out a little bit. But like, yeah, it's it's a pretty isolating job once you start headlining. You're right. Yeah. Getting good at comedy is like it, it has its negative effects, too. It's like, oh, I don't get to see my friends anymore. But mm. it's it's funny. Mike Wilmot years ago, uh, sure. the great Mike Wilmot. Yeah, uh, I, I had booked my first uh, like major festival. And I was like, I was excited about it. I was like, yes, I'm going to, I got a TV taping. This is great. And I was talking to Mike. I was like, you know, I'm so happy to get that monkey off my back, finally book something. And Mike was like, listen, kid, none of this means anything. All, all this is, is another weekend to hang out with your pals. That's it. And it's true. Like you do now that you've done so many festivals, you just like, oh yeah, I like, it doesn't actually mean anything. It's just a fun time. Yes. Yeah. That's interesting. I, I don't think I have that, per, like that attitude yet. I still think even like 15 years into this thing, I'm still like, Oh man, everything, everything is so important. Everything. I have to do this really well. I'm, I think I'm starting to chill out a little bit. Like my last appearance on the Winnipeg comedy festival, I felt like, Oh, like I've done this a few times now and it's going to be fine. And I could, kind of chill a little bit but i'm not i'm not anywhere remotely as zen as you are that's for sure yeah and it's not to like it's not to say that i don't love it like i do yes love of course the the you know the tapings and it's still a good time it's just I, i've done them enough to realize like you know when you first when you first do a big festival you're like oh man i'm, I'm gonna do this festival and then Everything skyrockets from here. Yeah, goodbye and anonymity. I'm going to be recognized in the stores and everything now. 
Yeah, no, I can't walk down the streets. Uh, it'll be <laughs> my whole life's about to change, and then you realize that not none of that happens. Like no, occasionally, no. you'll like a server at a restaurant will be like, "Do you do comedy?" And you're like, "Oh, well, yes, I do." And they're like, "Yeah, I saw you at this comedy club up the street." And they're like, "Oh, yeah, cool, I did do that." Otherwise, you have to ask people, "Hey, did you happen to watch CBC three nights ago at nine p.m.?" Because uh, there was there was a guy that looked an awful lot like me on that yeah. TV, and they're like, "No, yeah, no, no." They're like, "I didn't." What is? How do I access CBC <laughs> at this point? I don't have cable. That's right. Oh, CBC man. Gem for all you listeners. Yeah, CBC Gem. That's the way to watch it. And oh, see, hang on one second. Oh, those bells are so loud. I'm not sure if you can hear those all the way over there. Mr. Babinek, but here comes ghost number two. I am the ghost of comedy present. Answer this. Is there ever a reason to keep a joke that doesn't work? Uh. <laughs> what do you think? Yes. Absolutely yes. Um, wow. Lay it on me. What's, what's the reasoning? So don't... Here's... Okay, this is a yes and no answer no if you plan to just keep doing it that way uh there's nothing more frustrating than watching every comedy scene has these people and they've been doing the same act for a decade or more (laughs) they've been bombing for a decade or more and they don't change a word of it and i'm like what this is the definition of insanity to do the same thing over and over and expect different results like that. Absolutely drop that material, do something else. However, that clip of mine that went viral. Yeah. Um, when I first tried to tell that joke, I wasn't a good enough comedian yet that the story behind that joke happened when I was two years into comedy. And mm. I tried to, after it happened, I tried to tell that joke and it didn't, I just couldn't get it to click. I couldn't get the wording right. I wasn't funny enough to tell the joke. Mm. So I felt it. I didn't throw it away. I put it on the back burner. And then years later, I was better at it. I was going through some notes. I looked at it and I was like, yeah, yeah, I think I can. And I just like, it was just a little tweak. And I, again, I was a better comedian and it, it wound up being my closer for a while. Mm. Um, and this is a joke that just horribly fell flat. Like the first several times, cause I tried it a few times cause I was like, I know there's something there yeah. and it wouldn't work. I gave up on it for a while. I brought it back and then I actually had gotten sick of telling it before I did the taping. So I had to relearn to tell the joke. Yeah. Isn't that weird? Yeah. And then I haven't told it since that taping because I was mm-hmm. like, okay, well, now it's 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 going back to the the shelf. But yeah, I if I would have killed that joke and never gone back to it, then I I wouldn't have had that clip that went you know super viral. And I I still get work from that clip. Like you know, years later, people are like, oh, I saw this. I was like, oh, wow, that's an old joke. But I don't do that anymore. But I hope you like where I've gone. Yeah, and I'm sure they do. That's 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 incredible. I really like that. Yes, keep it if you're willing to change it. If you're willing to look at it, maybe give it some time, put it in the drawer for a bit, and come back to it. I've had similar experiences with bits, uh, and it is funny because um, one of the experiences I had parallels yours very closely. I had a bit that didn't work, 
shelved it for about a year and then ended up being my closer. And then I ended up using it on the Winnipeg Comedy Festival as, as well. So it's, it is interesting. I think sometimes if that instinct in you says, this isn't a bad joke, there's something here. And just, just trust that, trust that instinct and just let it sit for a little bit. But yeah, if you keep hammering it the exact same way you've been hammering it and it just keeps bombing, there's no point. There is one other time, I don't know if you'll agree with me, but some, I've purposefully left jokes in that didn't, aren't really working as long as they fit the narrative of what I'm trying to talk about. And I'm really still excited about what I'm saying in this joke even though it's not getting a laugh and I can't figure out a way to make it get the biggest laugh that it can, as long as it's not tanking the show and I'm happy with what I'm saying and I find it funny, then sometimes I'll keep it. Yeah. I don't know if I agree with it, but I don't know if I disagree with it. Like I get yeah. what you're saying. I, we all do stuff for ourselves on stage. Like I had a show last week in Hamilton and yeah. uh, levity comedy club, great comedy club. And I, you know, typically love Hamilton crowds, and I wasn't having a bad time per se. It's just like this crowd was fickle, and they, if they didn't like the bit or if they didn't like the subject of the bit, they would immediately just get off board. And I watched, I was watching the other comics before me get frustrated by it. And so I clocked the crowd for what they were, and then I, you know, I got into my act a little bit, and then I was like, I am going to purposely find out what they don't like and I'm going to argue the opposite point for my own amusement. Okay. And you know, I don't do that often, but that yeah. was, that's, that's one time where I would put stuff in knowing it's not going to work. I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to talk about stuff. I know you hate. Yeah. Because that's the thing. Sometimes if if it makes them uncomfortable, but you still are like, no, this is important. Well, in this case, it was you messing with them a little bit. But sometimes, you know, you really want to say something on stage. And even if the audience might not be fully ready to hear it, that doesn't mean that you take it out or that doesn't mean that you scrap it. Sometimes, at least that's my perspective on it. But I understand what you're saying, too, that in this case, you were just like almost just getting frustrated with them. And you're like, let's see how far I can push them. Yeah, well, if we're not having fun anymore, what's the point, right? So... You still gotta. I still gotta amuse myself from time to time. I can't just, you know, <laughs> do the thing always. And it does translate on stage too, because there are. I find that if I'm out of it, I'm not engaged in what I'm saying. Then the audience isn't either. No, I, you have to be present all the time. Um, I think. Uh, I, I think watching earlier Bill Burr kind of made me realize how important it is to be present like his ability even like if you listen to his old podcasts and he's still doing a podcast but the older episodes like he still does this too but he'll be in the middle of like trying to make a point and then he'll just stop and be like i just realized I, i'm not smart enough to explain what i'm talking about and it's That's just really like funny. that that honesty and that presence in the moment i was like i respected that so much. I was like, I need to be more present in what I'm doing. Wow. That's really cool. I love that too, because it's, oh, see, I was going to ask you other questions. Sorry. We're interrupted one more time. This is our final ghost, my friend. I am the ghost of comedy yet to come. Where do you want comedy to take you? Where do you want comedy to take you? Okay. I don't exactly know what he means by that. If that is a physical place, 
or more of an emotional or creative place? I, you can interpret that however you like. Uh, um, I don't know if I, it's going to take me to an emotional or creative place that I'm not already at. Oh, um, okay. And I mean, it'd be cool to book some more gigs in like the Bahamas and stuff. That'd be fun. I, I like, uh, I like warm climate. Uh, I actually had a, a, a run of shows booked in Mexico pre pandemic that I was yeah. pretty excited about just cause you know, I was going to go live in Mexico for a bit and tell jokes, which would have been sweet. Yeah, no kidding. But yeah, I, I don't know if, if, if the, if the question refers to any sort of level of fame, I tell people this often and at the risk of sounding like a cliched artist, I don't want to be, I don't want fame. I don't want, I, I want a level of fame that I can go into, you know, pretty much any comedy club and they know who I am and I can get time wherever I go. Yeah. Um, I don't want, you can't walk down the street fame. And I've, mm -hmm. I've worked with some famous people and uh, like just the way they get badgered is it's, I would hate that. That's, you know, that's, that's my own private hell is having to constantly talk to, uh, and listen, like that's not me saying like I, I don't like fans and I don't right. Like no, of course that. I understand who enjoy my stuff. But I'll give for example that that video that went viral. Like again, it reached so many people. Yeah, and the vast majority of people would reach out to me and be like, "Hey, man, I saw your comedy. I really liked it. Keep up the good work." I would say thank you. End of correspondence. Yeah, that's like ninety five percent of people. Yes, but you know, every one out of twenty or one out of however many is completely psychotic. Yes. Like they watch a five minute <laughs> clip of your comedy and they think you're friends. Like they they're like, oh, we know each other now because I watch. And like, I, I had people that would just like log on. Uh, they, they'd watch to see if my little green light came on on social media and they just start battering me with messages and telling me about their day and stuff. And I'm like, I don't, we don't know each other. Right. And like fame invites unhinged people mm. to into your life. And like, I don't, I don't want to be like having dinner with my family and people be like, hey, can I get a picture with you? I'm like, I'm eating. Leave yeah. me alone. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't know I don't know how people do that. If you keep being even further and more grumpy on stage, people will eventually like completely leave you alone. Because I do wonder even with, with people like Bill Burr, I know he's probably got lots of fans approaching him, but I feel like I would be intimidated to approach Bill Burr. Yeah, he might have that energy. But he's honestly, he's such a nice guy. He yeah. I, he was on the warm-up show at Just for Laughs with me, and he was on right after me. Nice. And uh, and then he came into the green room after, and I was like, oh, man, I'm gonna, I got to say something now, and it's, I'm going to sound dumb. And then he was just like, hey, man, that was a really good set. And then we just like talked shop for a minute and it was just like two comics talking. And I was like, Oh, this is fine. I can do this. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah if it was just like, all right, what do you want to say to Bill Burr? I'd be like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, I know you, you from Boston. So do you want to talk football? The <laughs> Patriots were really good for a long time. Like, 
that's all I'd want to talk to. I wouldn't want to right. talk comedy because I'd sound dumb. I'll talk football with them all day. Right. Yeah, that's all this to, all this to say uh, a massive level of fame would be absolutely like to be Taylor Swift famous. Uh, like that would be an absolute nightmare. I know. And then you see these people like Taylor Swift handling it uh, supposedly so incredibly well. And uh, it, 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 it does boggle the mind. I think you have to something either has to be built differently in you or you have to intentionally train to get to that place. And if you don't want it, that's the thing. Don't pursue it. If you don't want a life like that, you don't need to pursue it. And I think that's that's cool, which kind of brings me to uh, our final question here. Um, as always, we like to wrap up the show by asking our wonderful guests what they feel the ghosts have taught them today. What's the lesson? Oh, I I mean, I I don't know if I learned a lesson. Oh, come I, on. Uh, you got to learn a lesson. I I don't I think about this stuff often. I uh it's it's funny. I guess the lesson if I were to absolutely force one on the situation yes please do uh i like uh i do think that i don't take enough time to reflect on where i was and where i am like i i Mm. don't i don't think i give myself enough of an attaboy for getting where i've gotten comedically because You know, I'm I'm certainly not a household name, um, but I I've put a lot of work and a lot of time in this, and I've gotten pretty good at it. And I mm. sometimes I forget that. I I think it's really easy to forget it, especially when you're working and as dedicated to the craft as you are, because you just kind of you keep putting one foot in front of the other. Um, so it it makes sense, and I love that. I think if I can, I think the thing that I learned, uh is that you are a person who, at least on the surface and from our conversations, seems to really trust themselves. And I think that's incredibly cool. You had a person in the beginning of your career tell you, don't talk like this, talk like this. And within a year or so, you figured out, no, I need to talk like myself because I this set went really well. And my friend said, hey, no, buddy, this is this is you. And then you went, right, yes. And that was kind of this start of like, yeah, that me, me, trust me. And then you go on to talk about being present on stage. You talk about uh, having that instinct of like, if a bit is not working, but I know it's good, I'm not going to throw it away. I'm going to wait. I'm going to trust myself that I'm going to get better within the next year that maybe I can make this bit work. And then sure enough, it happens. Even talking about the fact that you don't want fame is you trusting yourself. You know what you like and what you don't like. And you're saying, I would hate that. So I'm not going to go after that. I'm going to go after what I am going after now. This is this speaks to me of a person who is content in themselves and trusts themselves. And it's that inner compass that's been guiding your career and, and making it as successful as it is. Well, see, I just need you to explain this to me. I, I, I didn't get that. But now when you say it out loud, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, oh, man. the outside looking in kind of thing. I'm like, oh yeah, that this Matt Falk guy knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Very well. The ghosts help a lot. The ghosts do help. Hey, uh, Rob, where do people find you? How do they get in touch with you? Not to ask you about your day and whatnot, but to watch, watch your comedy and stay up to date on where you're going to be next. Uh, well, I do have some clips out on CBC Gem, as we talked about from the Winnipeg Festival just for last. You can find me there. I've got some stuff out on YouTube. Uh, my Instagram handle, I 
think is ol underscore bebsy i think old bebsy that's right yeah not to ramble on here but i was supposed to record a special uh when i tore my hamstring and had surgery yeah and that all got pushed back and i was i was planning to get a whole bunch of clips together so i could release regular content uh but that is that's been pushed down the road so yeah if you want to follow me i don't have a ton of stuff right now but it's coming and there is a lot of material like you said already online and uh you're on instagram we'll put a link in the show notes to all the places that you can uh, stay up to date with rob and know when that special is going to get recorded and eventually released and all that kind of stuff so they can stay up to date thank you so much my friend this was an absolutely uh lovely interview and a great chance to catch up once again yeah i appreciate it man thank you so much for having me mr rob bebenek ladies and gentlemen and a big thank you to the ghosts of comedy past present and future and of course my dear and wonderful listeners, thank you to all of you for your support. Thank you for uh, following this podcast, for sharing it with your friends and family, and specifically, thank you for leaving ratings and reviews. That goes a long way to help other people find the show. Hey, I'm Matt Falk. Until next time, God bless us, everyone. Everyone.